Welcome to episode 341 of On The Schmooze. Let's do this. Welcome to On The Schmooze, the podcast that highlights talented people from different fields, explores how they built strong networks, and overcame challenges on their way to becoming successful leaders. Now here's your host, Robbie Samuels. If you started following me and my work in the last few years, you know that I'm a virtual event design consultant and executive Zoom producer. What you may not know is that I've been designing transformative, inclusive, and engaging in-person events for over two decades. Now that in-person events are back, let's make sure you're making the effort to attend worth it for your participants. Events are about content and connection. Reach out and I'll help you strategically design a full day or multi-day schedule and work one-on-one with your speakers to create micro-opportunities for participants to connect with each other before and after their sessions. That's just the beginning. I can also attend your event to host a first-timers orientation, a solo reception, or morning kickoff networking sessions. I've been supporting Feeding America's virtual and in-person events since 2020 and supported dozens of their speakers and session owners at each event. Let's chat so you can find out how I can support your virtual or in-person events. Email Robbie at RobbieSamuels.com to start a conversation. Again, that's Robbie at RobbieSamuels.com. Right after this break, we'll dive into this week's interview. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, Tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Today's guest is a compassionate and analytical problem solver. Some say it's her superpower. She's an influential figure in the SaaS startup landscape and a pivotal player in transforming the customer experience. Having accrued seven years of experience in the customer success world, she's an expert at navigating the often complex terrain of SaaS startups. Her portfolio is a testament to her hard-earned expertise, boasting profound knowledge in value-based selling, customer retention, and renewal. She's not just an expert in her field. She's a force of change and a symbol of compassion in the corporate world. Please join me in welcoming Jasmine Reynolds. Welcome, Jasmine. Thank you, Robbie. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. So you are over there in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, which is around the corner and a world away from Philadelphia. I can't believe how big the state is. No. So, uh, so welcome. And as you know, this is a show about building strong networks with a context is leadership. So tell me, how do you define leadership? And when did you realize you had the skills to lead? Yes. So I think leadership is defined as someone who is a coach and a cheerleader. Um, And for me, that has a lot of significance because I've actually coached dance and cheerleading for a combined about 15 years. Um, So learning how to coach people in that leadership setting is extremely important, but also learning how to be their cheerleader when they're doing something phenomenal. 
Um, I like to give the example of at a previous employer, we, we looked more at our strengths as opposed to focusing on people's weaknesses. And I thought that, that that was just such a beautiful thing. So for me, it's about coaching and being that cheerleader. I love that you brought in your experience with cheer. I saw that as one of the things you spent time doing, and I thought that's unique and different. Um, and, uh, and, it, and it makes sense that that would be a context for this. I, I also think that uh, my background at, with a master's in social work, I also was trained to look for people's strengths. So that strengths-based perspective is sort of ingrained in me. And I don't really think about it anymore. To me, it just makes sense. But you're right. Like, it's not necessarily the default for most people. Uh, so when did you first start realizing you had some of these skills when it came to leadership? I think my first experience with it was definitely with actually coaching, cheerleading, and dance. Um, and it's something that I've always really been praised on. And I'm just like, okay, but it, it doesn't feel like I'm leading. Um, and that's why I gravitated to it more because it came so naturally. Um, I am naturally a nurturer. <laughs> I'm a mom of two. And being a nurturer is something that just feels good in my bones, right? So how that reflects in me being a leader is just like that empathy, that support, um, being that cheerleader, being that coach and, you know, not necessarily looking to fill gaps in terms of like their skill set, but more amplifying what they're really solid at. Um, it has always been my approach, both as a coach and, um, you know, being a CSM. So I think once I realized in my professional life that I was really good at leadership, I, um, I was actually in pharmaceutical and medical device um, in that industry previously, and I created their CSM team. And um, I was able to hire, train, um, manage, and own a portfolio of work on my own. And it was such rewarding work because now, you know, that I'm no longer there, those girls or those women were my successors. Uh, so um, it's, it's really rewarding. And to, to further that, when I coach cheerleading, some of those girls a long time ago are now coaches themselves. So that's legacy. Good. I, I see legacy as being a big piece of your story as well. For yeah. Sure. The generations of cheer and even within the workforce, being able to train people who then, you know, come up behind you and sometimes even surpass you in their abilities. I'm curious what you were like, Jasmine, as a kid, like on the playground and in, in grade school, you know, were you organizing your friends or kind of watching mostly did people see potential in you? Were you the first to raise your hands? You know, what kind of kid were you? <laughs> I was not the first to raise my hand ever. I was very quiet and very shy and usually gravitated towards people who were like myself. And then once I found like other little shy girls or boys, and I'm just like, hey, be my friend. <laughs> we can be shy together and awkward. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I would say like not naturally a leader, but I would say my friends and even like growing up would say that I was def definitely like the mother type, like that nurturing, like, so that quality has followed me in my entire life. Mm -hmm. It's funny, you know, you said 
you you're not naturally a leader, but yet you sought out other wallflowers and helped them organize into a community that exactly. made them feel like they had a safe space, right? They weren't yeah. alone anymore. They were together, <laughs> shy and awkward, but they were still together. <laughs> still together. <laughs> Uh, yeah. was, was high school more of the same? Did you continue to ha- feel more reserved in high school? Or did you start to like find your own like voice in that space or college? Like where did that start to happen? I think it started to happen probably a little bit more in high school. Um, having been dancing and doing cheerleading and I did musical in high school and, you know, just making sure that like I always had different things to do with my friends. So if it was about like planning, uh, I was usually in charge of that. Like, okay, like let's go to the park today or we're going to go practice. So yeah, I would say so. And even being like captain of different teams and stuff like that. So um, yeah, I think it started to show up a little bit more, even though I didn't really like ground myself in it at that age just yet. You didn't seek it out, but it, it sounds like you also didn't turn down the opportunity to be the one organizing your friends or to take on the the captain role on a cheer squad. It's interesting to hear someone describe themselves as sort of shyer, and yet, given the opportunity, you knew it had to be done, so you're willing to step up. Absolutely. Yeah, I definitely would. I was always comfortable with other people stepping to the forefront. But if someone were to say, like, give me the opportunity, or I saw that there was a gap that needed to be filled um, in terms of like being a captain or organizing something, I would always kind of step in, um, maybe more reluctantly, but like would want to do it. And it's like, okay, well, let's see. Um, So yeah, and then I would also say that even professionally as an adult, I... And now I'm really figured out like, okay, this is, I love doing this. I love doing this part. I love leading. I love mentoring. Um, Mentoring is something that I'm super passionate about. So like as a child, maybe I didn't really seek it, but at the same time now I'm like, okay, give me more. This is like amazing. It's cool (laughs) for me. I love it. Yeah. (laughs) When you were in, um, like, I don't know, when you were like, let's say 12 or so years old, did you have a sense of what you were going to be when you grew up? Was there a clear path that you thought you'd be on? That is so funny. So interesting enough, um, I thought I was going to be, I wanted to be a ballerina, but then I also wanted to be an astrophysicist until I learned how much math was involved. (laughs) It's like, no, thank you. (laughs) I'll just, uh, I'll just get me a telescope in the backyard and look. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, ballerina or astrophysicist minus the math. Uh, was college part of the plan all along did, or did you go right to the workforce? And so I did go to college. I went to college as um, a dance major. Um, so disciplined in ballet. Um, and I just thought that like, that's what I was going to do. It's creative for me. Um, and I loved that, right? And then um, I was like, yeah, this this isn't for me anymore. So I took some time away. I went into the workforce. I did a lot of sales positions. I actually started off in sales. 
and uh, eventually went back and finished my degree because um, at that point I was like, okay, business is something that I'm really interested in and it makes sense. So I eventually went back and, and finished my degree. But um, yeah, it's interesting because if I'd have finished then with a dance major, I don't know what I really would have done with it. So <laughs> yeah, it must have been really hard to slip away, though. I mean, to get to the point where you're going to to a college to you know really study this dance form, and you know you're really competing at that level and working hard, making a decision to step away when you didn't know what to step away to. So really, just trying to figure that out. How did you get into sales initially? Because I mean, for most people, it's like mm. a four letter word. <laughs> it you know, it's really like ah, oh, you know, ah, but. Well, you yeah. started in sales. <laughs> Do you have any reservations, particularly given how you just described your personality? What I've always leaned on in sales and which inevitably brought me to customer success is that I was a nurturer, right? So those relationships, and it's actually one of my core, one of my personal core values, um, and that is relationships. And I was really good at sales because of the relationships that I was able to build. And I fell into sales because my dad was in sales. He's been a sales professional his entire life. He calls me little one. He's like, little one, I think that you could do this. Like, I think you would be really good at this. Give it a shot. And I did. And um, I fell in love with it. And I fell in love with it because of the relationships that I got to build with people. And then half the time I was like, okay, I get to build these relationships and then it's really easy to sell them stuff. So like this makes sense. Um, yeah. So when I stumbled across customer success, I was able to hybrid and magnify um, my ability to build those relationships and nurture those relationships um, and customer success and also pull in a little bit of sales too. So you're, you're um, had such an interesting start in that space because yeah. most people, don't get sort of mentored into sales from someone who has a sales career. <laughs> yeah. you know? So you already had a very different understanding of <laughs> what sales was. Mm -hmm. One of my earliest podcast interviews uh, was a woman named Stephanie Chung. Mm -hmm. And Stephanie was known as the high ticket sales closer. I will put the link in our show notes. Thanks. But she got really good at high ticket sales because she was selling like private jets, and she wow. was not a white man and she was not a pilot. <laughs> <laughs> we talked at, at length in that interview. It was one of my favorite, particularly because it was so early on. It was such mm -hmm. an impact on me about how all the tactics, all the sleazy sales tactics, which you, if you hold them up and say, would you use that tactic to sell someone a private jet? It would help you understand what not to do and what you yes. should do instead. Because you don't spray and pray the, right. the room with your business card and then sell a private jet, right? You exactly. Don't spam people mm -hmm. and then hope to like. It was just so funny. Um, <laughs> so it sounds like you got that those lessons early about it being about the relationships and it matched with your nurturing sort of your sense of who you are, your personality that fit really well. What kind of sales were you doing though? You said was that pharmaceuticals initially. Yeah. So I got into pharmaceuticals later, but I started off actually in insurance, uh, oddly enough. Another thing no one wants to talk about. <laughs> Nobody I, wants you to took do a that. hard one there. 
Nobody wants to do that. Uh, yeah, that's that's where I ended up. Um, so yeah. Uh, anything after that's got to be easier. As I'm guessing. Anything after that's got to be easier. Pharmaceutical medical device was something that I got super passionate about. The first company that I worked for in that industry was a um, respiratory simulation company, and the way I like to think of it is we would help. We would make mannequins breathe. We were training, essentially, uh, respiratory therapists. And this is right, like I started working there a few years before the pandemic. And um, as you can imagine, there was a huge boom once the pandemic hit because we were trying to figure out how to treat people. So the reason why it got so important to me is like, because there is an impact. Like, while I am not those doctors, I'm not those respiratory therapists, um, you know, we have loved ones out there and making sure that they're taken care of. And um, it was really, really cool. And then I started working for a company that does did um, medical trials for pharmaceutical medical devices. And it was amazing to me to see how many medical trials are happening right now and that some of these could change our futures um, and change, you know, lives literally so it just it was really cool <laughs> you know a lot of the folks that are listening to the show uh probably fall into the camp of entrepreneur and one of the things we talk about in that world is just how you have to really believe in what you're selling um and that's true for you as well i mean clearly there's a passion and you're describing it and you're like lighting up and it, you know if you didn't believe in it you couldn't have done that you couldn't have built those relationships if you weren't sure about the product you mentioned customer success a few times. I know a little bit about what this is because my wife is interested in this as well. But for those of us who are not as knowledgeable of the inner workings of, of CX and CS, can you explain kind of what are these terms? What does it mean? And, and like, and what, how has this field kind of grown? Because it feels like it's something that's really evolved in the last 10 years. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so essentially what customer success is, is the post-sale experience. So let's say you go through the sales pipeline and you're like, okay, I'm signing the contract and now who's going to help me? Well, that's where a customer success person and that's where we start to look at your customer experience. Um, so a customer success manager is going to make sure that you are as successful as possible with the product or service that you purchase. Um, and we are essentially your champions. We are your advocates. We are everything under the sun that you can possibly think of just to ensure that you're getting the most out of your purchase. And especially in this industry right now where it's hard to bring on new tech. Um, it is hard to, to find the budget for things, right? Um, for anything half the time. So if you're going to make that investment and you have a customer success person whose job it is to make sure that you get the most out of your purchase, it, it's a no brainer. So really my job is to make sure that other people are successful. And how would it be different than like an account rep or is there an overlap? So I think an account rep would be someone who would facilitate the relationship during the sales process. Um, a lot of CSMs will inherit that account after the contract is closed. Um, so for me, example, at User Gems, I'm inheriting, inheriting that account and I'm taking them through the life of, you know, as long as they're with us. So um, renewals, expansions, technical support questions, onboarding, um, that's all under my umbrella and making sure that you have everything that you need. Whereas 
I think when you're thinking of an account executive or um, an account manager, they're looking to always sell you on something. Whereas my goal is to bring value where it makes sense for you to continue to expand and renew. Mm -hmm. And I mean, hopefully the account person's also looking out for them, but yeah, it's a different, it sounds like it's, it's very similar, but yet it's like a slightly different focus. And also if you aren't, if your focus isn't selling per se, but it's really about nurturing that account, then the pressure is off about upselling. And then everyone sort of feels differently about that. So that's interesting. I mean, um, yeah, it's, these are terms that are fairly new to me. And uh, I think that for those who are listening that, you know, they serve all these roles because they don't have a big community or yeah. big team. Yeah. Um, you, I think it's helpful to think about, you know, these, we often talk about the like pipeline up until the sales conversation and then the enrollment call. But then, you know, how do we serve people after that? And when does it make sense to like invite them to the next stage or the next offering? So, yeah. um, so I think there's some lessons to be pulled from from the work you're doing in the corporate world. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, you touch on a point there, um, thinking about like support. Um, I think customer success is more about a proactive uh, as opposed to a reactive approach. And that's something that I had to do at my previous employer where we were always putting out fires, putting out fires. And that was it. There was no reactive or proactive. I'm sorry. There was no proactive conversations about strategy and how do you get more out of it and how do you um, expand with other people using this device you know it's not just respiratory therapists nurses should know how to use this device because we can be practicing on you know um, anything anything right so it, even though this one department the respiratory therapy department was able to find the budget for this there are about 10 other departments that could be utilizing this. And that's where we start to have those strategic conversations. So um, more than just like support and reactive, but proactive for them to get the most out of it. I, I can see how having multiple people to focus on these different aspects of the journey that the customer is having is helpful because if you're busy, like delivering a service, it's hard to, you know, if you're busy delivering slash putting out flat fires, mm -hmm. um, they may not always feel like there's time for the proactive conversation. And yeah, having someone else who's able to sort of piece things together and say like, oh, wait, these other departments would also benefit. I think that's interesting because I do feel like often um, we are a little short-sighted as entrepreneurs about how we can serve. And, um, you know, we get hired for one particular thing and we, we keep searching for new clients. Mm -hmm. But once you have a connection with a client, like how else might you serve that client as opposed to taking that one service <laughs> or product and then keep finding new, new markets. Um, I, you, you have been, I feel like you, you've had the ups and downs of being in the tech world. Mm -hmm. um, I know that there's been a lot of mergers and acquisitions and layoffs and, you know, reskilling, how has that impacted your journey as you progressed from, you know, where you started in, I guess, uh, the insurance uh, side <laughs> of things uh, and to where you are today with user gyms? Yes. So um, I think the biggest thing that I've learned um, over the last couple of years is that, so let me take a step back. So when I was at um, Ingmar Medical, um, like I said, I built the team, I 
remodeled the approach from being reactive to proactive. Uh, and that was amazing. And um, I actually made the decision to step back as a manager and to be an individual contributor again. And I took on the title of senior customer success manager. And um, that meant for me, it was giving me the opportunity to broaden um, my skills and learn a little bit more, especially going from being in pharmaceutical into SaaS and tech. Um, I wanted to learn a little bit more before I went back and put that hat on as a leader, because as a leader, I feel like it's important for me to know as much as I can to be able to support my team. Right. Um, so I think in this industry right now, um, yes, it is challenging. Um, I was laid off from, uh, so there was a company in between the, um, that I was at and I was laid off. And a month later, I started at User Gems, which was an amazing opportunity. And especially in this climate, it was extremely difficult. I know how um, blessed and lucky I was to get that opportunity so quickly um, and at such an amazing company as well. Um, but I would say that you have to constantly be willing to, to pivot um, at any given time and um, just making sure that you're staying up on your skills and and thinking back i'm proud of myself for making the the you know the jump to go from leader manager to individual contributor again because i knew that's what i wanted to do but it was extremely scary to do it so i would encourage others like don't be afraid to step back polish your skills so that you can get to the next level um, was was that shift from sort of the 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 leader role to the individual contributor role as you're shifting from one industry to another? Yes. Yep. So as, as, is that as you join the SaaS world? Is yes. Basically? Yeah. Yes. So I can see how, you know, while you had the leadership skills in one arena, you wanted to make sure you truly understood the product, the community, the culture before you took that role again. Um, and, and it was, it, you found it helpful and helped you like retool and really build up those skills a little bit more. Exactly. Yeah. 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 What's different about working in a SaaS environment compared to what you're doing with pharmaceuticals or insurance? Like it feels to me like they feel like very different <laughs> models. Um, there's no, I don't know, it's, a, the, it's not a product like like before you were talking about, you know, the thing that you did with the okay. respiratory and it was like mm -hmm. a thing, you know, <laughs> and here like SaaS, you know, it's software as a service. So um, how do you conceptualize that? <laughs> Yeah, so I would say the biggest change is that one thing, I'll start with what I've kept consistent and that I've kept consistent keeping the relationships first, that person to person, human to human um, connection that has always remained first on everything that I've ever done. Um, relationships are very important to me. Um, but in terms of what I'm doing on a day-to-day, -day, it is definitely much more technical um, and knowing, you know, the ins and out of the software and making sure that I'm up to date on all of the technology and stuff like that. Um, so that's a beast on its own, uh, especially for me, I feel like. <laughs> so I think also um, what's been different is the articulate this is the speed and change of everything 
I mean, going from fairly bigger size companies, um, not huge, but like bigger, eh, maybe smaller on Angmore Medical. But anyways, um, with this company being a tech startup, things are changing like this. And it's like, okay, it was just this an hour ago. And now we have this brand new feature and now I have to learn it. So learning how to remain organized and knowing where to find stuff and who to go to to find it if you can't find it. <laughs> um, and just keeping on your toes. It moves so fast, so fast. That's the biggest difference, I think. <laughs> yeah. So have you uh, organized like a group of people who are doing similar work to like get to know them? Like, How do you start to build a new network each time you shift? It's like, how long have you been part of the SaaS world now? I have been less than a year actually okay yeah. yeah i was in pharmaceuticals for about six or seven years and then um moved over here um but how do i broaden my network in this industry um <laughs> i actually made a post about this on my linkedin um i slide in dms i'm like hey hi guys <laughs> jasmine here <laughs> Be my friend, teach me things, uh, and I will share any knowledge that I have. So not being afraid to just start conversations with random people um, and finding a voice. So what the one thing that I latched on in this industry is champion, um, champion like engagement and tracking because you've done the, the work to create that champion, that really healthy relationship where that person loves your product or service and they're like, this is fantastic. And then that person that you built that relationship now moves on to another company. And it's like, oh, okay, well, that was good while it lasted. No, keep that, keep that relationship because now that they're at the new company, they may need your product or service over there. And now that's a new opportunity. That's a new sell. Um, so you keep, it's a fruit that keeps giving the work that you put into your champion um, is something that you'll see moving forward for the next several years and several job changes after that. Because as we know, people are moving around, they're leaving jobs, they're getting laid off and going in new places. So these are changes that you should really facilitate and try to scale as much as possible because you already did the work. Yeah. So the champion in this case, that's the internal person who really helps you make the case to make the budget, like to, to allow you to do whatever work you're trying to do and uh, smart to like stay in touch with those kinds of relationships. I imagine LinkedIn then is your friend because LinkedIn you can track where people go. Yes. <laughs> yeah, LinkedIn you know, is my friend. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine, you know, before, you know, someone's email would change and the only way you had, had to reach them was, their work email, <laughs> you mm -hmm. know, so if you connect with people on LinkedIn, like soon in the relationship, you'll stay in touch, even if they they leave that role. Um, that's really interesting. Are, are there any other, like, I'm always curious, as people build either building up new networks, like you've had to do as you shifted into the SaaS world, or if you're trying to think about how to nurture and sustain connections to people that you've known maybe five years ago, and suddenly maybe now is the time to reach back out to them. Like any habits, philosophies, or practices other than sliding into DMs um, that help you sort of nurture and sustain those connections? Yeah, so I 
with Usagem specifically, the software is essentially that um, champion tracking, right? So depending on the size of a company, you can do this um, on your own. But if you're trying to do it at scale, um, that's exactly what Usagems does. We look at your contact list and we tell you where your champions, users, um, customers, anybody have moved to. Um, and that's what we do for you. Um, but if I'm doing that on my own for my personal network, um, I think it's more about trying to stay on a certain cadence with people like just saying like, hey, checking in quarterly if it's on a personal because that's a lot of work right like quarterly just to say hey how's it going or even if it's participating on their posts on linkedin as well um just to stay up on like what they're doing um what they're talking about you know when we join a new company they're usually if you're connected they're gonna say like oh i'm you know grateful to say that i've moved on to pepsi and um yeah, I'm really excited for the role. So you jump in there and you're like, oh my gosh, that's awesome. Congratulations. Let's get coffee and uh, catch up or something like that. So that's what I would do on a personal level. But if I'm thinking about it from a scalable business level, um, user gems is exactly what it is. Yeah, I didn't, just didn't know much about user gems before um, learning about the work you were doing. And I did see a lot of potential there as organizations get bigger and it becomes more cumbersome to keep track of these things. Um, I, I think that's really important because like you said, you invest so much in the relationship early on, like you should be able to reap benefits and dividends as, as it goes. And it's two ways. They also would rather hire a vendor that they already know. They're familiar <laughs> with, they <Yeah>. know. <laughs> they would rather hear from you than like get mm -hmm. pitched by random people that they have to vet and they're not quite sure and all that stuff. So I can see the benefit. And I, and I wonder about that because I, I, I also see if you could speak to this, I also know some people who are reluctant to like continue those relationships if it's been a while, because mm. they feel like they're bothering people or, I mean, this is so, this is sort of like the people feel bad about sales, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> like I'm bothering people or I'm, I'm begging and it's like, but you know, how, do, how do you mentally help people get past that angst? Um, one approach that I've used personally where I'm like, okay, I'm reaching out to a complete stranger or someone that I haven't talked to in a really long time. I like to go into the conversation with an offer um, or an ask and an offer, right? So I'm asking you like just to join my network and just participate in, you know, some of my posts or um, maybe I have a question about the company that you work for or something like that. Um, and then my give would or that I would, you know, offer them, I would say something along the lines of actually, I, I have an example for you. So I went to this conference uh, about three years ago now, maybe two. Um, and I was looking at the panelists. Um, and I'm like, okay, um, there was this uh, a black woman on the plant panel. And I was like, oh, and a girl that looks like me, like exciting. All right. So I reached out to her um, on LinkedIn and I said, hey, I see that you're, you know, talking about this topic coming up for this, um, this conference. Really excited to hear about it. Uh, and I would love to pick your brain about uh, the company that you work for? Would you be willing to grab coffee with me during, you know, the conference time at some point? And I just want to give you a familiar face in the audience. And 
that actually resulted in a job offer later. So, um, yeah, I just was. I have to just say, you're, Jasmine, <laughs> I, I, I'll, I will repeat everything good that you just did, but I want to I want to anchor this in the you are a shy, reticent personality. <laughs> Right. You are not the gregarious, see me, see me, front of the room like, person. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And yet what you just described <laughs> was actually super strategic. If you don't have the energy to meet everyone in the room, which no one actually can do that thoughtfully, this is a way you like look to the, the list of people who are speaking. That's all public information, right? You found a connection with one of them that you thought would be uh, particularly interesting to you and perhaps even them. And you reached out thoughtfully, like, I'm really looking forward to that topic. I would love to connect to the conference. The only thing I would change is the pick your brain phrase, because we're all mm. kind of like, oh, God, my brain, like, please what do you stop looking at it. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but other than that, yeah. like, hey, yeah. I'm going to be at the conference. I, I am going to be a friendly face in the audience. If there's a chance, I'd love to meet up for coffee while we're at, exactly. at the event. Like, I have to tell you, as a presenter, because I'm off on that <laughs> side of things, if someone yeah. does that, it is so memorable because it's so rare yeah. that people reach out ahead of time. And I mean, I've had people like send me connections on LinkedIn and I don't mm -hmm. know why. Mm -hmm. And then after I realized they were in the room and they didn't yeah. even tell me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, you connected before the event, but you didn't send me a note. Because I would have said hello, right? Yeah. Right. Like, like that would have been nice to have yeah. a friendly face in the audience. And I love having lunch with people like, yeah. you know, like, yeah. I know. So yeah. how do you, I mean, it feels like that's a natural extension of how you now feel about sales, that networking has become easier for you. But was that also a shift? Did you have to get over any like angsty feelings around networking? Oh yes. Oh yes. Just stop. I, we talk ourselves out of it. Um, I think most of the time we think people are going to be annoyed by us reaching out, but I would say probably 90, 80% of the time people don't mind. I know I don't mind, you know, um, if someone were to say like, Hey, can you catch up for coffee or, um, you work for user gems? Can we talk about it? What do you think? How do you like it? I see you used to work for Medrio. What, what are your thoughts there? You know, um, we have the only way that we get better um, is to share our knowledge. And we have to understand that most people are going to feel that way, too. And the worst that can happen is you get ignored or a no. Did it kill yeah. you? Sure didn't. Why not? Yeah. You know, you're making me think about my wife's journey. She was the director of residence life uh, and at a, at a university and wanted to make the shift into ed tech. And okay. when she started doing that job search, she found people at ed tech companies who had a, a higher ed res life background and reached out and said, I'd love to hear more about that journey could you help me understand, like, how did you make that shift? They all said, yes, she, she was, I would say she was a little reluctant at first, right? Cause it's a little like, yeah. I'm just asking random That's people. Scary. By yeah. the third, yes, she was like gamifying it. Yeah. <laughs> she was like, okay, how many, how many a week can I reach <laughs> out to? And yep. then, you know, she had the call on Zoom and then, um, and this is pre pandemic. So like the fact that she knew how to use Zoom and could easily get them on a call was all yeah. kind of, she made it easy. 
And she'd send them a $5 um, gift card to like Starbucks electronically afterwards, like have coffee on me. Sorry, we couldn't actually have coffee in person. But then those are the people who grabbed her application and put it on the top of the pile and like looked for it and, you know, forwarded it along and, you know, told her like the lay of the land of the culture and all the stuff that you just don't know when you're, you're applying. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was the connection to higher ed and to particularly to res life that made them want to connect with her. And to you as a woman of color in the world of tech, I can see that being a really strong connection. It is. <laughs> like being a woman at all, but particularly right. a woman of color, it would be like, oh yeah, let's connect. We have to have each other. Back. Yeah, have to, you have to, you have to be willing to share that knowledge. Um, and I know like, you know, getting into this and coming out of sales and the journey that I've had, I'm, I'm like, how many people can I help? Uh, there's a lot. Let me just say that there's a lot in my DM right now. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, how do I spread myself, you know, to get everybody. But I, I do my best. I do my best. And it might be delayed, but it, it will happen. <laughs> I'm curious how being on podcast shows fits in uh, it's been a while since I've had someone who still works in in the corporate space on yeah. my show. And the last time they were in a conference room with a lawyer next to them. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I, I know. I know. I reached out to her because she wrote something awesome about networking. And I was like, oh, I want to highlight that. That was really cool. Yeah. Um, and like their legal got all like, ah. And so <laughs> I was like, I'm that's fine. But yeah. I'm kind of curious about how you're sort of building your own personal brand as well as serving whatever, you know, SaaS products you're currently working with. Yeah. Um, So building my personal brand has been something that has been really important to me for the past, I would say five or six years. Um, It's been a slow build. It really has a slow, very slow build because I'm just like, what do I talk about and what do I stand for and what is really like impactful because there's so many voices in this industry right now. Um, Customer success, SaaS, all of these things, right? Like everybody's talking about it and how do I set myself apart? And what I had to realize about my brand is that the thoughts um, and things that I had to say about these topics while at the baseline may be the same as others, no one's going to talk about it or think about it the way that I do. So don't be afraid to be a repeat or like an echoing voice. Like you are different. Your, your way that you perceive it or the way that you approach something is going to be different. Um, than anybody else. Um, and your voice is important as well. So I have, I am not, <laughs> not a public speaker. I have convinced myself, let me rephrase that. I've convinced myself that I'm not a public speaker. I've convinced myself that I'm this shy person, right? And I'm like, well, I'm still going to go do this. We're, it'll be fine. <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm sure it does get better and easier yes. as you do it. And, yeah, it, um, it does. You, you know, this, by the way, um, you know, speaking on podcasts is a stage. It's a chance for you to tell your story and to work out like what's important, what's a highlight. So we, we tell people all the time, it used to be really hard to get on stages, but now people can host their own events. They can get on people's podcasts. They can host their own shows. There's, this is all opportunities to get, kind of get the reps in. 
as as you do these things and then it, you sort of figure out your unique value uh to the topic and and share that along but it also sounds like your your own mindset is really been developing around sharing who you are connecting with people strangely i feel like sales was how you got started and usually for everybody else they have to like get around to the point where sales is finally okay but you were like well you know this is what you do for sales so this is how you, how you build your career this is how you build your brand yeah so interesting um i imagine um your dad uh, who called mm -hmm. you little one is very mm -hmm. proud of what you've been able to do he is he is very proud him and my mom, um, <laughs> they are literally my biggest fans. They know nothing about customer success. Um, my dad knows a ton about sales and being in the professional world. And um, they will watch uh, if I have like a webinar or podcast and stuff like that, they will watch. I'm like, oh, guys, you're awesome. <laughs> Man, having that kind of support at home is wonderful. You know, the family of origin being there to cheer you on as you're, you know, developing your own career. Um, this has been really awesome. And uh, as we're winding down the interview, I'm, I'm really looking forward to hearing your answer to my last question, which we'll hear right after this break. All right, here is the final question. You know, let's say it's a year from now and we are still connected, which I hope is true. And I, I'm catching up with you and I'm asking you, hey, you know, what's, you know, what's been going on? What are you, what are you celebrating right now? I, I want to know what we're going to be toasting a year from now. What are you most looking forward to in the year ahead? The thing I am most looking forward to is having presented a topic at a conference live in front of a big audience. That would be the, uh, the milestone <laughs> for me for the year for sure <laughs> that's amazing i cannot wait to help you celebrate that yes. um that's amazing are you familiar with toastmasters i i have heard of that i'm going to be yet another person who tells you to look into it okay it's all about developing how you speak on a stage okay and uh there's chapters all around the world like mm -hmm. toastmasters is a great resource we'll put a link in the show notes for everyone yes. listening as well but I'm a, I'm a professional speaker. I'm part of the National Speakers Association, which is more about the business of speaking. Mm -hmm. um, so people who like develop that into their own thing. Mm -hmm. But Toastmasters is a little, really big overlap between the two. People who okay. start out just getting comfortable on stages. Um, but yeah, that's mm -hmm. one way to do it. And then just pitch yourself, you know, just put yourself out there like you've been doing for everything else. Yeah, I mean, all that's I can exciting. get is a no, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So um, what are the best ways people can, can find you and connect with you? Yeah, so I'm on LinkedIn primarily. That's where my, my biggest voice is. Um, find me on LinkedIn. Um, it's backslash Jasmine C. Reynolds. Yeah, um, we'll, we'll put that link in the show notes. Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, Jasmine, thank you so much for, for sharing your perspective. It's, it's a unique opportunity. It's been a while, like I said, since I've had a chance to have a conversation with someone who is really working within a company, a large company, and has had the experience of moving around between different industries and all the skills you've learned around networking and sales. It's very applicable to the world of entrepreneurship yeah. <laughs> uh, because you're really taking a very entrepreneurial approach to all of this and how you're managing your own career. So I really appreciate you being here and sharing your story with all of us. Thank you so much for having me. It was awesome. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Jasmine. 
What is your key takeaway? Something you'll put into action this week that you'll benefit from for years to come. Share what resonated with you in the show notes at ontheschmooze.com. Look for episode 341. That's also where you'll find all the links and resources from today's show, as well as all the archived episodes. Reach out and let me know which were your favorite interviews. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with that one friend you know would love to hear it. Subscribe or follow for free so you don't miss next week's show. Are you a fan? Awesome. I'd love to read your review. Thank you in advance and look forward to connecting again next week when I'll be interviewing another talent professional who's achieved success in their field or industry. I'll ask them probing questions about how they overcame challenges on their way to success and how they built and sustained their professional network. Until then, have an amazing week. Thanks for listening to On the Schmooze podcast at www.ontheschmooze.com. That's On the Schmooze, S-C-H-M-O-O-Z-E. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.